Hello everybody and welcome to episode 7 of the Avatar Podcast. I am Albert, your host, and today there are officially 365 days until the release of Avatar 2, and otherwise known as a year left. So, have to record today, have to commemorate today, and as you may have seen on our Instagram, uh, there will be another episode this weekend where I'll be um, speaking with uh, some of the folks on the Reddit and also on the Instagram community, which we've started building. Um, I believe it's Avatar Theories, Avatar Sequels, Avatar Updates, and Avatar Cosplay. So, um, and I'm Avatar Podcast, so this, like, you know, quintuple-hosted gig, we shall see. We shall see, though. Um, um, it depends on, on their availability. But anyway, um, we have to talk about some of the Entertainment Weekly stuff. We have to go into what it means to um, be part of the Avatar community, you know, essentially 12 to 13 years after the original came out. But I think most importantly is, um, you know, when you really think about um, the world today, and there's a little bit of this is touched on in the Entertainment Weekly article, is, uh, you know, also, I, I internalize a lot, and so hopefully I don't come out too scattered, but basically I'm thinking about how Avatar is going to in some way chuck an Awa and like set things right with the industry, with the art form, with returning to cinemas. Just that timing of December next year just feels like we'll be out of that radius of, you know, inshallah I like to say, or heaven willing, God willing, whatever willing, whatever you believe in. Awa willing, you know, we want to, um, yeah, we want to be able to see that film. And I've been manifesting, I don't know if some of you out there have been um, imagining what it'll be like to to see Avatar 2 and what you have planned and stuff for, for myself. There's the idea of my fiancé and I going to, like, America and, like, I'll probably go on a little mini road trip to, to you know, the world of Pandora to, to suss that out and um, catch up with some of my pals who live around that side of the US and go see, yeah, like the Avatar land, so to speak, together. I think that'll be really lovely. And then catch back up with Ray in New York, go see the film with some of our New York friends. Um, and that'll just be an, such a, you know, just to compare where I was as a person when I saw Avatar, how old I was. I had braces and very, very long hair. Um, no tat, like few tattoos, not as many as I have now, um, compared to when I'll be seeing it, you know, fingers crossed next year in a year's time. Shortly, not too far from being 364 days from now. Um, but what I'll do is, um, I'll do this one with an edit. Usually I just bring up everything and sort of drag it all together, but I'll, I'll edit this one up and, um, oh, hi, we have a visitor. Hi. Do you want to say anything about Avatar 2? This is just private. There's no... I'm not speaking to anyone. Come. No, that's okay. This is cool. I'll, I'm going to edit this. This is literally just the quick time. What, what's one thing you'd like to say about Avatar 2? That it's going to be amazing, knowing James Cameron. She, she says it's going to be amazing, knowing that it's James Cameron. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. 
<laughs> and she's looking forward to it. Okay, I'll be out very soon. This is gonna be a very short one. I love you. And I mean, what more concise thesis statement do you need about the film? And that, that's actually something that I'm really looking forward to is um, not that I, you know, you know, not that the film I won't have texture and, and have like a sense of a lived in world with multiple kind of characters and stuff. It'll have that. But one thing that I, I can really see us sort of psychologically being ready for, and I don't know how prescient James Cameron was of this, but of um, the need that we'll all have at that exact moment to go to the Metkaina, to go to the beaches of of Pandora, like there's going to be certain moments, I think, and I'm just, you know, who knows if I can clip this out and, um, you know, present this in a future episode just for, you know, you know, history's sake, comparison's sake or whatever. But um, what I suspect will happen is, is same as when, um, and it was one of my earliest memories and many people will, um, will remember that uh, Avatar was associated with, um, what is it, like reviewers seeing the film and then desperately, desperately wanting to, to go to the actual physical place. Like they would have like dreams. And I remember I'd never read something like that in, in, you know, in advent of a film coming out or, or ahead of a film release to hear reviewers saying that they were having dreams of it, that they were having visions or like, yeah, just that like they wanted to be there. And what I see happening in next year is, um, you know, fingers crossed, there'll be this beautiful distance away from some of the, you know, craziness of 2020, 2021, you know, and, uh, there'll just be this feeling of, okay, let's, let's actually enjoy ourselves. Let's go on a very pretty straightforward, but still mythical, um, family adventure, you know, like a, like a, a family trip to the beach is what I'm really looking forward to with, with, Avatar 2 and it seems like that'll be so um one mini speculative thing I just thought of is what if uh, with each of the films we explore a different region of the planet and so Avatar 3 could be about the mountains and Avatar 4 could be about like the swamps or whatever and then Avatar 5 maybe climactically going down underground into like the center of the earth of Pandora or something you know and what I again what I love is this um this focus, that's the thing with Avatar, it feels focused. It feels like they aren't in a rush to spread themselves too thin, to have like 50 planets, to have, you know, for, for, for and then the, the meta commentary there is that like planet Earth is enough, like Pandora is enough. Uh, I, myself, however much I try, any learned, even David Attenborough, like, and he dedicated himself and has dedicated himself. Uh, to life itself and even he won't be able to see every single animal every single plant and insect on this planet and that's why he's that's sort of what buoys him you know what lifts him and motivates him to to keep going and I, I find him such an inspiring figure I would love for him to maybe speak on what the feet of um uh, avatar what we're really in us at the instagram sorry the instagram but also the reddit like and what i really espouse and i truly truly believe in is that there will be this activation that is galvanized from entertainment but into activism 
actertainment or I think I come up with some portmanteau um, and and for that to really yeah open up dialogues about preservation conservation environmental protection fauna and flora you know um, conservation all of that is, is what I would love and the th thing is that that's implicit in in the premise in a, and I believe I believe it isn't in a heavy-handed way I think it's very subtle and that's just something that isn't strictly there's no guiding thing guiding um, I suppose humanity improving impetus or humanity improving kind of dialogue and subject matter to some of these other franchises I think they're it's it's sort of a little bit obvious that they're mostly skewing towards just like telling a story sure and they'll ha those will have pockets of like human moments with some of these superhero characters but um just hearing again these are there's what's really fascinating folks is you need to remember that so much surrounding these films has the has the, you know it's the the fact of it is that it's an unprecedented and that essentially no one other than someone of James Cameron's um, you know pull and, and heft creatively and, and his presence in the like this uh, his legacy and his achievements afford him this time that he's been able to take and I commented on this recently on the Instagram about um, how he's dedicating what will end up essentially being about two decades of his life cumulatively towards Avatar, latter years of his life mm -hmm. as well. And, and then my contention was that if not for his career spanning or rather career topping magnum opus, then why else would you dedicate 20 of your latter years to, to something? And, and there's going to be this true sense of him sort of really giving it everything he's got and like... I'm sure that's one thing that defines him is that he brings all of himself to each of his projects. But another thing that defines him is the naysayers and the naysayers are directly correlated with the the out, like seemingly outlandish things that he does, like the, the unprecedented things. Like you will obviously have something to say when someone paints, I don't know, like zebra lines the other way. It just to, like you take something in like normal society and then someone just says, hey, how about we do it this way? And then there's, there's, of course, there's going to be at least for a non-insignificant sect of people like that outrage response, that shock response to like, what are you talking about 13 years? What are you talking about writing five films at once? But if only, frankly, I mean, even without seeing the sequels, like I just on an instinctive level, I just I feel like saying like, if only we saw and and, and knew that that was the case more often of, of um you know, filmmakers taking that amount of time. And what I really hope is that this does shift the tide. I know it's, I hope it's not a fool's hope, but because the conveyor belt slash cookie cutter filmmaking machine is so quote unquote reliable, but it's, they're thinking too short term. They're more concerned with making the money and hitting the, the release dates and guaranteeing the audience and even more further you know, fortifying the brand over like telling a really beautiful, like actually like art form evolving story, which is what Avatar 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 will be doing, as well as Frontiers of Pandora, which will be essentially sharing assets, which we talked a little bit about on, on talked a little bit about on the previous episode about um, that achievement. And wouldn't you know, we just had The Matrix um, Awakens 
uh, and some of the commentary around that has essentially basically confirmed what I was talking about, which is the idea that assets will be shared between the film and the game. So that is the the, the true sense there. And um, and also the another thing I, I, I greatly admire is the pure authorship and ownership. Um, look at the state of the Disney films, with the Star Wars especially, is that's what tends to happen if there isn't any plan and if there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And the thing is, there's one cook and it's James Cameron, but he's very open. He's changed in some of his earlier films and earlier years where he was a bit, I guess, rougher around the edges and a bit more curt and short with people. But he's he'll get final say, but he will absolutely absorb input and, and um, look through the stories of, you know, Zoe suggesting something or Sam suggesting something and and that becoming part of the character or part of the scene, etc. you know? And I love the bubble that they've created, literally the volume they've created to, to, to make these films in. Um, I think there was the 90 gallons of, 90,000 gallons, and now it's like 200,000. Like, the, they were comparing the sort of um, sizes of the... Uh, of the tanks between Titanic and the Avatar sequels in this article, which we'll, we will get to. And um, it just made me feel like they just, they created this bubble. And I talked about this with Danielle Basuti of uh, God of War and, you know, the after winning game. And when she was on the show, I think, yeah, she was on the show twice, but on the first episode, we talked about like how sacred it is to, to be able to like create that bubble outside of like, essentially the algorithm or the social media or anything like they've really closed in like we are now in a few hours going to be less than a year away from the film and we haven't seen one screenshot uh we've seen some concept art we've seen some behind the scenes you know we've seen i think a concept art cg render which um is behind the in the behind uh, it's like the backdrop of the 365 announcement i made um, on the Instagram, which is where we're most active, I'm sure you've, you've noticed. The Twitter, I'm still figuring that out. It's Avatar Show on Twitter. I'll have to update a few things, but, uh, you know, there's only so many outlets that I can keep running. Maybe we'll bring some more people onto the team uh, down the line, maybe closer to the release. It's like, hey, you, have the Twitter. So I guess if you're a passionate Avatar person and wouldn't mind, you know, sort of just basically, just basically being a retweeter, like whatever I post on the... And the thing is, yeah, I know you can do that technically with like forwarding and stuff, but it comes up with like a little preview and it isn't as nice. And anyway, little tangent there. So, so let us dive into this um, uh, Entertainment Weekly article and we'll kind of really pass through and digest it, right? So here we go. Um, so the first thing I, I guess I would say is, um, you know, the, the total film is, uh, is the one that uh, John P. Landau did. He spoke with them very briefly, and we made a little post about that, you know. But, but this one, um, this one was, yeah. Some, someone actually asked on the Reddit, it's like, so what are we, what are we getting a year out? I would love, I would personally love for, um, for there to be something like a trailer. We're still in that sort of twenty-four hour. This could become a rapidly out of date episode in that case, but, um, but you know, who knows? Who knows? We fingers, fingers crossed. We'll see. Also, I just realized I'm like, like very aquatic behind me with sort of the blue and the yeah. We're very much getting into the the Metcaina energy of things. So there you go, beautiful. So let's go for it, folks. So James Cameron opens up about his long-awaited and 
awaited. So it's like they said awaited twice. Okay. Avatar sequel. The director returns to Pandora with the first of four planned Avatar sequels, combining innovative performance capture and his lifelong love for the ocean by Devin Coggan. So first off, Devin, thank you for being who you are doing what you do. Too often is the dialogue around and the rhetoric around Avatar kind of about its delay and about its quote-unquote irrelevancy. And it's like, I love that you're just like, hey, here's the facts, you know, here's what this is and um, like I said relevancy is a fluctuating thing and I don't know if he's got some of that Kojima energy to him certainly Kojima and Cameron have some similar um, similar energy you know uh, as creators in terms of boundary pushing and stuff and I think they've met and I think one day they're going to collaborate but what I do sense is that yeah so Metkaina going to a beach on a beautiful photoreal alien world at the end of 2022 to like relax like on a primal level regardless of the plot regardless of like oh it's you know the sequels of the highest grossing film you know all of these things oh what about covid da, da, da. i just think people will go over and over again for that simple immersion of being in this place which is like absolutely photoreal and and delightful and idyllic and i think that that'll just be that primal thing and once again the naysayers will be like what about why are people going it's like just like with the first one there was an element of like beautiful immersion not escapism some escapism but immersion uh, into something that is tantamount to what it represents you know what it's and what the Cirque du Soleil performance is an extension of which is you know the Cirque du Soleil performance actually which we saw it was beautiful a couple of years ago it's uh, it's presented as though it is a actual presentation by Cirque du Soleil in James Cameron's version of Earth slash Pandora. And it is this, um, yeah, so it's like, obviously if, if this happened and if we went to Pandora and like Pandora was a thing uh, existing and have many light years away and so of course Cirque du Soleil would be so inspired by this alien planet that they themselves would wanna tell the story of it. And, and that's what that presents there. So in terms of that immersion and, and true um, I am there kind of authenticity. Uh, you know, just look at the scene where um, I'll actually maybe cut to it. Now you choose your grand. This you must feel inside. If he also chooses, you move quick like I showed. You will have one chance, Jake. How will I know if he chooses me? He will try to kill you. Outstanding.
let's dance. The scene where um, Jake meets his Ikran, like the, the ocean, like just that, if you just took that little microcosm of a scene, there's something so immediate that you're just, because of the height, first of all, there's something that when you're at a certain height, like your, your attention can't really stray too too much elsewhere because it's like a sort of almost like a survival thing. It's like one wrong step and I'm, I'm falling to my death kind of thing. So you're immediately there. The music also, you know, uh, James Horner, like it, it's it's right there, like sort of keeping you in that tent tension. But then you'll see this place and the, obviously the creatures are totally adapted to the air and, and they're very comfortable and they can just sort of, if they're spooked at all by the by the approaching Navi, like initiates, you know, wanting to test themselves, you know, the Sahel or like rite of passage, like they can just jump and fly off, but the Navi can't. So you're there and you're, you really, and there's that beautiful first person start like going under it through the, through the waterfall. And um, there's a shot and, and we, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, but it's the shot of the Ikran and it's like, it opens its mouth and bears its teeth. Sorry, just hit the microphone, bears its teeth and, and just the, the glistening of the skin and the membranes and it's like that it's there like whatever Weta did whatever James Cameron sort of and he you know again is um, artistically inclined engineering inclined as well which is what I mean about the focus uh, a just a little bracket I'll just open so say a vehicle designer on a Star Wars project is like you have a week to make this look essentially feasible and for it to sort of look like it carries its weight great cross-reference that or compare that with a James Cameron it's like okay I want you to take three months to to really really like do the engineering work it might be invisible to the eye I want this thing essentially that you could just hand it to a builder and say you can build this and it'll work you know with very few mini completely invisible artistic license exceptions which is what look at every single vehicle for and every single creature every single um, plant and animal you know etc uniform and everything from Avatar, it's all could just be, there you go, handed to a certain manufacturer and then with very few exceptions, um, there you go. Even even the, like the like the air vehicles, like they, they, they would work. I think some model builders, like they built the dragon, um, you know, Quaritus ship and it just works perfectly. So, but anyway, big tangent, all to say that, um, uh, and thank you, Devin from, from Entertainment Weekly. It's all to say that, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to, as Devon is a great symptom of us shifting from whatever that sort of, okay, I just, all I feel like saying is like, are you done? Like saying all this stuff about like the delays and the irrelevancy. It's like, that's so subjective and so, and also false because the, the delays are all objectively required for the film. Again, because they're creating new tech. It's like, you don't rush someone who's like trying to create a brand new like paradigm. And that's not an arrogant thing. It's like the person who like created the automobile or the plane or whatever, like they took their time and it, it had so much trial and error and no one was there with the Wright brothers or whatever, you know, judging them or tweeting about them. They were just doing it until it was done. And that's what Cameron did until the tech was there, which is in water motion capture or in water performance capture. Um, so the the technical side, the the focus side, the engineering side, the the, the world building side, and that new standard setting to the point where it'll actually make after the Avatar sequels and certainly after Avatar 2 at least in terms of timeline we'll we'll look at that and then we'll look at something like The Mandalorian and The Mandalorian will look like an episode of Play School in terms of just like 
the things not really feeling like they're there and the feeling like they'd work. You know, you can do a couple of things with Foley and stuff, but it's like that looks like essentially glorified cos cosplay. Whereas what we're seeing with, yeah. So it's just a different, and, and you know, James Cameron would be the first to tell you, it's like, hey, it's literally different objectives. And that's why he's like, love and light to James Wan with Aquaman. Like that's a different objective. He had a certain um, limited amount of time to make the film. The film is saying something completely different. It's not trying to be, it's not trying to present. So he's very um, diplomatic in that way. He's not He's not a hater. And he, even with this thing with Patty Jenkins and stuff, she, um, you know, I, I do side with Cameron about like, um, uh, ultimately, even though, you know, we have the, hey, we have the Wonder Woman podcast on the network. We do. So the Wonder Woman podcast on the network. And, and, you know, ultimately it's subjective. But for me, I side with Cameron in that um, when we're thinking about uh, stuff, like, again, that immediacy, that relevancy to, like, the real world. It's like, cool, you know, Diana Prince, great sort of powerful, like, feminine energy and stuff. But if, I mean, Linda Blair or whatever, like, like um, not Linda Blair, what am I talking about? Um, <laughs> from Terminator, right? You know, it's like Dark Fate and stuff. Um, when I saw that version of, of the character, you know, I just, um, yeah, Linda Hamilton. When I saw that version, I was like, oh yeah, cool. So just tough as nails, but not in a gimmicky way, just Judy Cheshon, like, um, uh, you know, Michelle Rodriguez, like she, she, is, is, is she, yeah, like she's a powerfully feminine person and same with Sigourney Weaver, you know, and like, he's just been, he really knows, like he knows how to write those characters and, and, um, and he, and he connects with them. And I think he has a deference to them. Sometimes it's some, it sometimes feels like he doesn't even far from like disrespecting. He, he sometimes feels like he's like, I'm not even worthy of like, you know, there's that level of, and that's why, you know, Nate Thierry, very tough, you know, there's a, there's a difference from Cameron as a writer to like, what Neytiri has to say and because he puts himself in Sam's shoes and Sam ultimately defers you know Jake Sully ultimately defers to, to Neytiri and her wisdom you know so there's a lot of respect there um as well so so any any notion that they're like antiquated or like tone deaf or anything it's like believe me the guy is plugged in uh he's got another thing we haven't even talked about is is the single most proven track record of, of sequel making but I've discussed this in other episodes so to the article. So what do you do after making the world's highest grossing movie of all time, shattering the record you yourself had set more than a decade earlier? If you're James Cameron, you take a breath and then dive headfirst into the deep end, literally. After topping the box office with 2009's Avatar, his fantastic tropical saga of blue-skinned aliens and environmental messaging, the director vowed to return with not one, but four planned sequels. He decided the first of these in theatres, December 16, 2022, would be set primarily underwater, requiring years of technological research and months of training actors to hold their breath for lengths that would impress even a Navy SEAL. Now, Cameron is finally ready to welcome audiences back to Pandora with an ambitious aquatic marvel that's been a literal decade in the making. It sounds kind of nuts, the process, Cameron 67 admits with a laugh. I mean, if Avatar hadn't made so much damn money, we'd never do this because it's kind of crazy. Listening to the filmmaker describe Avatar 2's journey makes kind of crazy sound like an understatement. Cameron began planning the sequel by himself in 2012, 
bringing in a writing team in 2013 who helped outline four stories that would stretch across Pandora's diverse geography and continue the first film's tale of man versus nature. Filming on Avatar 2, an official title has yet to be announced, started in 2017 with a story set about 14 years after the original. Former human soldier Jake Sully, Sam Worthington, and Na'vi warrior Neytiri, Zoe Zaldana, have settled down and started a family, and much of them, much of the film centers on their preteen offspring. You know, Bailey Best, Wayne Evans, Trinity Bliss, Brighton Dalton, and Philip Gelger, I think. Don't think I'm missing anyone. And Jack the Champ, Insta. Jack, I, I, remember, I remember him more from his Instagram handle, but yeah, Jack Champion. Uh, we have a um, picture here, so I, I'll add this into the edit. So Edie Falco joins the cast as General Ardmore, a high-ranking member of the human military organization RDA, which clashed with the native Na'vi in the first movie. It looks like we're in a sub, but it's really the, fight, the flight deck of a dragon gunship, which is an aircraft we saw in the first movie, Cameron says. So there you go. Ultimately, the sequels are a story about family and the lengths parents will go through to keep that family together and keep them safe, producer John Landau explains. I always say that Jim's movies have universal themes, and really there's no more universal theme than family. And that quote was also shared with Turtle Film. Both Avatar 2 and 3 are mostly set in and around the ocean, introducing a new clan of reef-dwelling Na'vi called the Medkaina. Landau describes the new tropical beaches and shores of Pandora as a seaside paradise. Bora Bora on steroids. All right. So by the way, I haven't actually fully dove into this. I'm actually reading it um, for the first time with yourselves. Um, I've, again, have had a look here and there with some of this stuff, but I wanted to like kind of keep this in, you know, and why not as a little chronicle thing to do, you know, um, reading it all together. If the first film was all about the rainforest with its cautionary tale about deforestation, the new entries are a love letter to Cameron's first fascination, the sea. The Titanic director has long advocated for ocean conservation, and he completed a record-breaking journey to the bottom of the Mariana Trench in 2012. I do the ocean thing when I'm not making movies, he says. So if I could combine my two greatest loves, one of which is ocean exploration, the other feature filmmaking, why wouldn't I? That's right. But setting a story below sea level presents more than a few challenges. The innovative performance capture process designed for the first Avatar wasn't intended to work underwater, so Cameron and his team had to engineer a way to accurately record the actor's tiniest movements and expressions while submerged. That footage was then animated by artists at the multi-Oscar-winning visual effects company Weta Digital. Much of the performance capture filming took place in a 900,000 gallon tank, I was way off with my, with my guess earlier, built specifically for the sequels, which could mimic the ocean's swirling currents and crashing waves. My colleagues within the production really lobbied heavily for us to do it dry for wet, hanging people on wires, you know, Cameron notes. I said it's not going to work, it's not going to look real. I even let them run a test where we captured dry for wet, and then when we captured, we captured in water, a crude level of our in-water capture, and it wasn't even close. So another caption here, I'll put the image. For the complicated performance capture scenes, James Cameron hired experts in underwater dance and gymnastics. Scuba bubbles would create too much noise in our performance capture system, the director says. So no matter how long the scene took, if it took two, three or four minutes to shoot, everybody was holding their breath. 
just doesn't that implicitly just the idea that it's like what if someone says I'm filming a film entirely on the backs of elephants it just has a, a an implicit primal response to like a P.T. Barnum style like you're there munching on your peanuts and you see that advertised outside the tent of like what the whole thing takes place on the back of an elephant sure I'll go in and it's like that's what he's doing like it's that's his level of sort of that showman obviously much safer than anything like that and certainly probably some of those like carnival barker stuff you know shout out to Guillermo del Toro who is a pal of James Cameron little fast fact I think James Cameron paid for James um, Guillermo del Toro's dad to be released from like kidnapping or something it's it's trippy look it up it's it's absolutely crazy but they're good friends um, uh, and yeah so that that sort of showmanship but then also with the marvel itself to back it up like that's james cameron right so again not just that primal thing of like i'm tired it's been a two and a half year gauntlet i just want to go to the beach and i think that'll it'll hit on that level no matter regardless of plot almost almost regardless of anything else go to a beautiful idyllic beach number two that um, behind the scenes, word of mouth, scuttlebutt of like, what? They filmed the whole thing underwater? What? What are you talking about? That'll make people want to go and go again and be like, how did they do that? How did they do that? You know? Right? So there we go. And I believe, just for the record, clip this out if you want to, Avatar 2 will surpass Avatar 1. Onwards fourth. Many of the cast members prepared for the plunge by getting scuba certified, culminating in a field trip to dive with manta rays in Hawaii. But when it came, that's also parallel to how like Zoe and um, Joel and Michelle and Sam, all the main cast of the first film went out to, actually not far from us here in Australia, they, I think they went to Mwilumba, which is my family and I would actually go there for our holidays here and there, um, otherwise known as uh, Mount Warning, where Fern Gully is set, right? And Fern Gully, Pocahontas, Dances with Wolves, part of the Avatar kind of um, genre of storytelling, at least that first film, you know? Um, of conservation, etc. Right, uh, and like fighting, fighting imperialistic, you know, industrial, um, colonial kind of um, forces, you know. And I'm sure this will be carried forward, carried forward into this film as well. Right. So yeah. So the 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 trip with the manta rays in in Hawaii. Shout out to Ray, my fiance. Her name's Ray. Um, but yeah, so, and I'm assuming that will probably have, will have had um, Una, you know, Zoe, all the new cast, you know, Cliff, part of the new cast as well, Cliff Curtis and the kids as well. Uh, but when it came, and Jermaine, <laughs> but when it came to filming, air bubbles and scuba technology would have interfered with the performance capture process, so each actor had to train with professional divers until they could free dive, holding their breath for, for minutes at a time. Cameron says 72-year-old Sigourney Weaver, who's returning in a top-secret new role after dying in the first film, could easily hold her breath for six and a half minutes, while new cast member Kate Winslet blew everybody away when she did a seven and a half minute breath hold. Avatar 2 marks a reunion between Cameron and his Titanic star Winslet. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> I remember that film. I remember growing my hair and wanting, wanting to kind of look like uh, Leonardo. Uh, I'm kind of, it's because of the work from home I'm kind of getting there with the flop, the flop over the eye or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, the reunion between the two of them here, the 46 year old Oscar and Emmy winner plays one of the Metcaina, a mysterious character named Ronald. 
or Ronald. Uh, one of my favorite memories uh, was we had this circular tank, maybe 40 feet wide, with a big glass portal in it. I walked by one day and I see Kate Winslet standing on the bottom, uh, walking on the bottom of the tank, Landau recalls. She's walking towards me and sees me in the window and she just waves, gets to the end of the wall, turns around and walks all the way back. <laughs> kind of surreal, you know? I think John was also a producer on, on Titanic. They've sort of been longtime collaborators, um, Cameron and Landau. The first time was no small task, taking uh, more than a decade to make it to the screen after Cameron first dreamed up the idea. But Cameron and Landau say their goal for the sequels was to aim higher and dive deeper. Principal photography uh, has already wrapped on Avatar 3, due in 2024, and Weta has begun early post-production of some scenes on Avatar 3. The fourth and fifth movies are currently set for 2026 and 2028. What we are doing now, from a story standpoint and a world standpoint, is on a much larger scale, Landau says. That's both exciting and challenging. Um, we are putting much more detail, first and foremost, into the performances of the cast, but we're also putting much more detail and diversity into the world that we are creating. So that just goes to show like some of the scenes that you remember from the first film, if you thought that was like such densely packed, detail-filled, you know, rainforest is like, what John is essentially alluding to is that that has been maybe, I would even say, maybe it sounds ambitious, but like tripled in detail at least. And scope and beauty and all of that and imagination. Ah, and like natural extension again, that emphasis on realism and, you know, I have these patterns here on my arm and my chest and stuff, morphogenesis, which is the, the manner in which nature creates patterns. So I believe that a lot of what will, um, uh, be shown and, and the world that will be explored in the sequels will feel like a natural evolution from what we've seen like and I love that um, when you're a creator who's making something that feels less like you're making it more like you're discovering it and I think that's certainly the feeling that I I just my intuition um, about how Cameron went about like guiding his artists like what would feel like this would naturally happen according to like these natural forces and you know Avatar, sorry, Pandora has like slightly different, um, you know, uh, gravity and stuff, but like here are the rules and here's the gravitic forces or, you know, physics at play and here you go. And I'm, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm giddy at the, at the idea, but also profoundly grateful. Yeah. I hope to work on these films. I'll just say, I'll put it out there. You know, if you need help on four and five, let's go. I'll fly over. Just in Australia after all, you know, I'll, I'll do it for free. <laughs> All right, ah, you know, career. Career is important. Right, so James Cameron, this is another caption there. Uh, right, chats with the young actor Jack Champion, center, who plays Spider, a human teenager born on Pandora. Here, you've got a 14-year-old kid that we taught not only to scuba dive, but to dive in full face breathing mask and to act in it. Cameron says he did a spectacular job. Also, these photos, Mark Fellman, um, yeah, I think all of them so far have just been Mark. Yeah, shout out to Mark. A little bit like uh, Greg Fraser taking behind the scenes photos for Dune, which we also do the Dune podcast. And also just as I was reading about Landau and Cameron, I just thought of Silver and Wachowski, you know, how they were partners throughout their projects. I think Silver may also be um, on Resurrections as well. Resurrections premiere is the exact same time as I'm recording uh, the next episode of the Avatar podcast. I am really looking forward to the Avatar podcast. Love and light to the premiere. Uh, we do the Matrix podcast as well, um, but I'll let my cohorts, my fellow Red Pills, cover that one. And um, yeah, 
I'm so, so looking forward to um, the next episode after this one. You know, we've got that one called One Year to Go. Um, sorry, we've got that one called This Is One Year to Go. That one's um, We Are the People, which is fitting because we'll have a few folks on there. The first multi, you know, that we've that we're going to be releasing like the, you know, because we had we've I'll allude to it. One day I'll be able to probably maybe discuss it, hopefully. But we did record some stuff for the Avatar podcast, which we weren't able to um, release because of reasons to do with not wanting to reveal certain things. Cool. So there's a little tease there. Maybe I'll clip this out many years hence and I'll share the eventual thing, you know. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah, you're going to leave it a little bit of mystery. But yes, so looking forward to that. And as we, and and also, just in case you might be wondering, of course, we'll go over some of these elements from this article with them. And I think, obviously, everyone who shows up um, on the show uh, this weekend will have seen this and will be able to get their riffs on certain things. Things that that's what's great about having the kind of multicasts. Even though I do mostly do the solos and the one-on-ones, the multi-people um, cast, like you'll have someone who'll just spot something that you just didn't like. It was in your blind spot, and I just love that about collaborating. Still, um, with a series uh, of big-budget sequels to the highest-grossing movie ever made, um, while a series of big-budget sequels to the highest-grossing movie ever made may seem like a slam dunk, Cameron notes uh, that the theatrical landscape has shifted wildly since the first Avatar hit theaters. In 2009, Netflix streaming was just starting to gain popularity. Blockbuster hadn't yet declared bankruptcy, and original Avatar studio 20th Century Fox I was still years away from being absorbed by Disney. In a new era of superheroes and streamers, Cameron hopes, uh, 13 years later, that audiences will still connect with his vision of distant planets, plural, interesting, and adventure. After all, in 2019, Avengers Endgame surpassed Avatar as the biggest movie of all time, but Avatar snatched its crown back after a China re-release in early 2021, setting a new record with an all-time haul of 2.847 billion worldwide, besting Endgame by almost 50 million. The big issue is, are we going to make any damn money? Cameron says of his planned sequels, big expensive films have got to make a lot of money. We're in a new world post-COVID, post-streaming, Maybe those box office numbers will never be seen again. Who knows? It's all a big roll of the dice. But hey, if you want to make a big splash, you can't be afraid to get your feet wet. Great way to end it, by the way. Um, and yes, yeah, so it describes there for more from the 2022 issue, etc. So a couple of related contents. So Avatar 2 to re- um, return to production reveals photos of futuristic ships. First look at sequels, next generation cast, and then uh, marks the end of filming for 2019 with massive set photos. So just the related articles on um, Entertainment Weekly. But folks, um, that just about ties us off for this sort of mini-sode. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the weekend. That'll be nice to sort of speak with um, the folks over there. We we, we, we are going to get someone from Kelotral. Uh, the I, I believe they've sort of essentially confirmed it, but we'll see. And uh, I'm just feeling... I mean, what else? Like, think about... The last time you reached a one year to go moment, maybe it was like a one year until you traveled. There's, there's not so much like a, I mean, I said like it is going to be a year long party, but it's, it's almost more like it's going to be a, just a, just gratitude, just a, a an ever increasing arc. Um, to, uh, you know, yeah, like slope, I guess, upward slope of gratitude. Um, and yeah, so folks, thank you so much for tuning in. All right. <laughs> We will catch you on the next one, which we're recording very soon. And um, 
giant hugs from here in Australia. All right, and feel free to, I always forget to, to say this, but if you enjoyed the show, um, there is a like, share, subscribe, all of that on, on YouTube. But if you wanted to um, join the Patreon, we have a couple of tiers. It's all based on my five favorite numbers, if I can get them right. It's three, five, um, seven, uh, 12, 24, right? And all of them have kind of corresponding tiers, but generally um, the lower tiers, what they'll get you is the access to the Discord, which going forward, I'll be jumping on to see if anyone's on the chat and maybe who wants to potentially, depending on the tier, join the show, which would be fun. And I just press a few buttons and send them a Zoom invite and there they are on the show and, or there you are on the show if you want to join. Um, and uh, there's actually a, sure, why not? albertkessercom forward slash store. Uh, pick up an interactive um, artistry or um, <laughs> interactive art uh, or rather interactivist shirt. Um, they're there from the talk that I gave, um, which will be very relevant uh, next year with um, Frontiers of Pandora. Um, the idea that we're going to be and I love that idea of that immersion with the first person, which does, I've come, actually been coming around to it more and more uh, with um, Frontiers of Pandora, that it's going to be about like being there. It's like, okay, cool. I'm sure that that's what Cameron wanted to explore. But I do hope that there is a third person mode, just, you know, just for those of us who are a little bit more old school. But, you know, Red Dead did it really well. Just a quick little flick, flick of the button, you know, tangents. Um, and yeah, so we are Avatar Show on Twitter, as I mentioned before, Avatar Podcast on Instagram. And uh, uh, but I myself am always on Albert Kessa Instagram, so you can find me there as well to chime in and you know say hi. And if you ended up wanting to um, be on the show, if you're a kind of avatar community creator of some kind, like hey, you know, get in touch and we'll riff some stuff out and get to know each other, and we'll go from there. So, all right, everyone. Until next time. Bye for now.